millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From the home of time. It is now quite a day for local sport from your local team. This is Charlton Live. that Plymouth game is really going to annoy us at the end of the season when our record reads played 46-145. So very good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes. Thank you for joining us on your Sunday evenings. We look, we're going to look back at yesterday's uh, 2-1 win uh, at home against uh, Southend. And joining me in the studio to do just that is uh, Mr. Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? I was thinking the same thing about that Plymouth game when I was walking home yesterday. <laughs> well, I played a season at five-a-side where we played 14 and won 13. And that one game, it, it still bugs me to this it? day. Yeah, and that was, that, that, was a solid, that will annoy me. Yeah, solid five or six years ago. That Aside now. from that, I'm good. Yeah, I can tell you exactly whose fault it was, that five-a-side game, by the way. It was my <laughs> mate Ted's brother. Didn't okay. track back, lost by three. Was it his fault for the Plymouth game? Or? Might have been, might have been, could have been. Let's I'm going to blame him for it. And uh, joining me and Tom, finally making his return to the Channel Live studio, 
The grand old man of Charlton Live, Terry Smith, how do you tell? I'm fine. Have you, not, have you any idea how long I've been stuck in that cupboard? <laughs> <laughs> not long enough. So <laughs> no, yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, how you doing? You right? I'm all right, yeah. yeah thanks. It's, it's Especially not... after the beginning. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's not like I haven't seen you. As Plymouth well. Is, well, that's true, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah Plymouth business. aside, which, which I've eradicated from the memory anyway, so it won't matter. Yeah. We'll be like uh, Jose Mourinho, that one won't count. <laughs> so the uh, the actual table read played 45 145 yeah, that, that one won't matter it'll take a long time to get rid of that coach journey I'll tell you that <laughs> <laughs> you only just got off that wouldn't you <laughs> just about yeah. yeah so on tonight's show of course we're at the back of that excellent uh, game against Southend yesterday 2-1 win two excellent goals that we scored uh, we're going to hear exclusively from Carl Robinson. He came in to speak to Terry after the game. Uh, we've got a player in focus, of course, this week. It's Jason Pierce. He was my man in the match yesterday. Um, so he's our player in focus. We want to know what you've made of his performances so far this season. Perhaps the partnership that he's building with uh, Patrick Bauer at the back. You might want to talk about that. Those two have played every minute of League One football so far this campaign. And uh, But at the same time, we have, I mean, they, they feel quite solid. But at the same time, we conceded seven goals. It's a weird one. So I want to, that's our player in focus, Jason Pierce. He can let us know. What you make of him, of course, if you want to contact the studio in any way, shape or form, you can email us, studio, studio at charltonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at charltonlive. You can head over to the Charlton Life forum and uh, put a message on there. And also, we have an exclusive interview yet again for you tonight on Charlton Live. They just keep on coming at the moment. Uh, I spoke to former Charlton player and, of course, former Charlton co-manager, Steve Grit, uh, just, just before I came out to, uh, uh, to, to do the show tonight. So we'll hear from Steve Grit later on in the show. Uh, if you want to talk about him, of course, you can email us as well, studio at charlotlive.co.uk. Uh, but just before we dive into the highlights, Tell and Tom, uh, doesn't it, it keeps on rolling. It's like the Trump train, but it's the Charlton train. <laughs> dear, oh dear. Uh, uh, yeah, look, we um, we got to take it while it's there. I mean, we're all still, I think, unless I'm alone, which I suspect I'm not, I think everybody, every Charlton fan is thinking, this this just got to stop in a minute, isn't it? <laughs> it's, something's going to happen. You know what I mean? We just, after the last few seasons we've had uh, and, and what's been going on in and around the Valley, it just seems a bit surreal at the minute that uh, we're actually a good side playing good football. Not all the time, but most of the time, so, you know, a decent amount of the time, uh, and getting results, which, um, which we've not been used to recently. Hmm. Tom, last week we were the best side in Northern Europe. Have we conquered the uh, the whole of the Northern Hemisphere yet? I reckon so. I think yesterday I just tweeted saying, hand us the trophy now, um, <laughs> which looked a bit stupid because we are in second place. But yeah, I didn't think we were at our best for large portions of yesterday and we still come out winning. Um, yeah, a bit like Tell, I kind of am expecting it to go wrong at some point. But whilst it's not, I'm enjoying every minute of it and... Yeah, bigging us up maybe a little too much, but I don't really care at the moment because, as I said on Thursday, we, we haven't had this sort of enjoyment for a while. So, yeah, enjoy Lord it. Lord it while it lasts. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But we like to say second. Who'd, who'd have thought that Shrewsbury Town would turn out to be the next class <laughs> exactly. right? But anyway, we are second in the table. And uh, thanks to yesterday's 2-1 win over Southend United here at the Valley. Here's the commentary highlights from the loner, Terry Smith. Back to... Quietly, ball forward. Then is picked out by Holmes, and he's uh, leaving it sort of flicked it above his own head, and he's going on a run now. Ricky Holmes back inside to McGuinness. Little one-two with McGuinness. Forced uh, Holmes a little bit wide left. He's going to take on McLaughlin. Does so, gets the ball in the box, but it's headed away by White. All the way to Cashy. Cashy gets there and gets his head left to De Silva. Big instant switch to Chris Solly. Lovely ball. Spread the play. Chris Solly finds Fossil on the overlap. Goes for the return, Chris Solly, and it's found by Fossu. Chris Solly, right foot cross, gets it in. McGuinness! There's the getter! And there's the lead for Charlton. Superb cross by the Charlton captain. And McGuinness in hot goal scoring form. Had plants his header behind and beyond Mark Oxley to give Charlton the lead. Peach of a cross, peach of a header. 
Charlton 1-0 up. 20 minutes gone in this second half. Lovely instant ball from De Silva as well to pick out Chris Solly. Just stretched the play. Stretched South End to a trying this pressing game. Left space for Fossu on the overlap. Solly went for the second overlap round Fossu and a pinpoint cross. At first you thought he was trying to pick out Forster Kasky, but it went straight into the middle of the six-yard box where McGuinness couldn't miss. Up towards McGuinness. McGuinness can't get there, White does, but it'll drop to Clark. Clark with Fossil on the overlap. I bet he doesn't use him. Yes, he does. Fossil, edge of the penalty area. Coming in against uh, Ferdinand. Chip ball back across. Headed clear back to Clark. Clark switches it to Holmes. Holmes has got uh, McLaughlin chasing him back. Holmes with De Silva beyond him. Cuts back in on his right. Right for shot. Oh, what a goal! Ricky Holmes with another perler. De Silva made the overlap Holmes used him as a decoy cut back in on his right foot and a curling right footer into the bottom left hand corner left Oxley grasping for air and within the space of two minutes Charlton are 2-0 up Swung in left-footed, it's a free header from John White. Approaching the corner of the six-yard box, not picked up. The South End centre-half and they're back in the game. It's 2-1 to Charlton. Charlton still not made the sub, it's Timlin, quick one. And it's a Robinson, Go uh, to Boamona, goes back to Timlin. Rob Boamona again, right-foot crossing opportunity, gets it in. Amos can't get there, it'll drop in the box. Leonard with the shot, off the line, tried to chip it back across. Cashy with the block and it's away for a corner. It's going to be Amos to come out of his goal, which I'm a little concerned about. He's going to swing this away and right to the far corner. And there is the final whistle and Charlton claimed the 2-1 victory. So there we heard it, the highlights of yesterday's 2-1 win over Southend United here at the Valley. Um, it's another win, it's another three points, and I, I think it would be probably fair to say it wasn't the most fluid of performances for, over the 90 minutes, but maybe some, when there's games like that, and we saw it at Rotherham away as well, where you have to battle, sometimes you just do your battling, then you turn on that little bit of class, and we do it twice, and the two goals we scored yesterday were superb. I'd argue we've done it three times if you include Oldham, um, before they... You know, before they uh... Uh, even after they went down to 10 men actually but um, you, you know there are times especially in this league I mean we know you've got to roll your sleeves up you've got to earn the right to play football and there, you know that's what we've continuously over the last few seasons failed to do uh, even in the championship I'd, I'd say that um, you've got to be able to pre- prepare yourself for a, for, a, for a battle for a hard slog uh, in games and if you uh, I think the premise is if you, if you can't win it don't lose it mm. and um, we've been managing you know so far I mean we're only six games in but so far we've ground out results that Probably, actually, if you look back, we, we wouldn't have done that in previous seasons. Oh, certainly. And I think, I mean, even yesterday, the way that the South End started the game, and we, we knew they were winless since the opening day, and as fans, you get carried away, and you think, well, maybe they're not, not that good this year, but they, they, they did just miss out on the playoffs last year, and I thought they came out and they actually took the game to us and probably, for me, controlled the opening 20 minutes at least. Yeah, definitely. As I say, I don't think, for large part, uh, parts of that first half, we were at our best, um, and I think a lot of that was down to South End. They were pressing us really high. Um, a lot of the chances they had came from not necessarily mistakes, but as I say, high presses that just led us to, to slightly misplace a pass or, you know, we couldn't play the football we wanted and, 
in the past under Russell Slade or some of the others, you might have seen Pierce or Bauer just hoik it long and get away with it. And instead, we were kept trying to play our game. And it did cause us a few problems in that first half, but we saw that out. And then we had, what, 15 minutes at the start of the second half where we upped our pace and they couldn't cope at all. Didn't manage to score. Um, but then, luckily, as you say, then got two very good goals and managed to hold on in the end. Mm. They're. Um we we've struggled. Well, not struggled is probably not the right word, but we have um, uh, had a battle on when uh, teams have come to do one of two things: uh, either close us down, mm. um, which Southend did yesterday, very high pressing game, yeah, and didn't give us the space uh, to 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 operate in, or as Plymouth did, just sit back and close the space down so we couldn't get through them or around them. Mm. So we've got to, we're going to come up against that either one or the other a lot. And and I spoke actually to Brett, you know, the analyst um, yeah. after as I was leaving actually last night, and I just said, you know. It's another team that's pressed us high, and, and he actually said we've been watching them all season. You know, we've got videos uh, of them all season, and they've not done that before. Mm. Oh, really? So they adapted their own game to try and nullify us. So they, they, you know, as, as analysts do, they watch all the videos. They send somebody to watch it the week before to, to just try and judge, uh, gauge and judge uh, how they play and who's, who, who you should be concentrating on. He said that uh, that's the first time they've done that. So they've obviously watched us and realised, you know, how we're going to compete against that. Uh, and so, in one way, uh, what is um, um, a benefit of that is we were able to adapt and still win, mm. even though that you know we were up against something that we weren't used to seeing yeah, or weren't expecting. Because we probably saw that sort of early on in, in terms of the way the pressing was putting us under pressure, because we had that cashy back pass uh, where, where, where we nearly gave it straight to the I think Nile Ranger going through and, and things like that, and they, they had their, their, their opportunities early on. It did, it did take us a while to settle, but I think as, as the first half came to a close, we started to see those chances. There was that cross that McGuinness sort of, I don't think he caught it properly on his head. I think he might have hit his shoulder that the keeper held. There was um, you know Billy Clark shot from, from distance, but just perhaps as, as the half grew, we, we grew into the game. Well, I think the, one of the advantages of, of playing against a team that does that yesterday is that they're not going to be able to keep that up for 90 minutes. Mm, yeah. Yeah. You tweeted yeah. exactly that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the, you know, a high-pressing game that far forward, they're going to leave gaps from time to time. And as long as you stay patient, then a team that uh, is clearly as good as ours is at the minute uh, should be able to exploit that for time. I mean, one thing we do have to eradicate, um, and maybe we can't in this because the, st- the style in which we play is uh, giving away the soft goals <laughs> at the <laughs> other end because we do seem a bit um, uh, susceptible to that. Yeah, I mean, I, all right, I, we'll, we'll attack it now. I and mean, I mentioned there, like... You know, defence. We got Pierce and Bauer, and, and we feel happy. We feel, but at the same time, we have conceded seven in six. I mean, do you know? I think. Do, um, am I reading too much into well, that? Well, maybe because I think part of that is down to who we're up against. When you consider that um, uh, both Oldham and now Southend had uh, two very good uh, strikers uh, each, you know, and two big ones uh, if you're talking about Oldham. Um, so you, when you've got set pieces, we've got McGuinness, who's good at good at set pieces, to come back and defend. That still leaves us one short. Because McGuinness was going to obviously take up one centre half, you've got our two centre halves with their strikers. That left, uh, as it turns out, was it uh, White, wasn't it, uh, who scored their goal? John White. Um, basically, Solly was the marking. I mean, it's a mismatch, isn't it? Mm. So we have got to either suss out, um, get somebody else in on the on the centre half other than Chris Solly, uh, and the other side is De Silva. So neither of them two are really going to compete against somebody who's like three foot taller. So there is an area where I think we've got to try and suss something out, even if it's just walking in front of them as they try to run. Yeah. Now, Carl mentioned in uh, in his interview with BBC London after the game that he felt, um, you know, I was talking talk about the opening goal uh, and and how Solly got down the wing. He said he said he knew that Southend were going to sort of overload in the midfield mm. and come sort of central, and that was going to leave a lot of space for Solly on the right hand side. And he was 
disappointed that we hadn't actually utilised that as much in the first half. But um, obviously we did in that second half. It was a superb team goal. I love the ball from De Silva to Solly. Bought it down, give it to uh, Fossey, who played the 1-2 on the overlap and a wonderful cross. But I mean, the, the fact that Carl even mentioned that, he certainly seems to do, do his homework. You, if you listen to his press conferences before the game, he always, he always seems to know everything about the other team. You talk about Brett there as well. But the, the preparation that, that goes into it, I mean, that's, that's so important, isn't it? Yeah, and you'd hope any manager would do it, but... I don't know how many managers we've had that actually come out and, and talk about what they've done after games as well. And it is, as a fan, it's nice to get that little bit of insight, definitely. And uh, it was only after I read that or, or listened to that that I thought back over the game and you could see that switch ball across the back four happening three or four times, uh, particularly in that second half. Um, so when you then hear that that's uh, something they planned in the training ground, it, it all kind of made sense. And obviously we've seen... Uh, both De Silva and Solly overlapping and you know they love to get forward themselves but it just came together really well and, and Fosu held it up and, and Solly overlapped and it, it was a brilliant cross as well um, but yeah it's nice obviously nice for a manager to see that come together a training ground move but then to, to kind of explain that to the fans as well as I say it just gives them a bit of insight and we've talked a lot in recent weeks about the, the kind of bond that, that Carl's trying to build between fans and players and that kind of trust in sharing something like that with the fans is, is all a little part of that as well it's strange. I think it's down to the manager as well. I mean, um, you know, you speak to Britain, there are some managers that don't really want to know what uh, right. the opposition does. You know, the, was, it, was it Carol Fry got um, <laughs> Callum Harriet to scout Colchester <laughs> <Yeah. during> the <laughs> FA Cup? Uh, well, it's just a fact that some it? managers uh, really don't see uh, the analysis of the opposition as a, as a real high priority, whereas um, others do. And Carl Robinson clearly is one of the one of the managers that does. And um, Brett's, you know, quite open about the fact that, um, you know, he's he's loving it at the minute because um, uh, his feedback and his um, uh, and the whole anal- analysis team—that's the word—have um, got uh, quite a high input in the build-up because uh, Carl Robinson does look at the opposition we're playing against and does look at ex- uh, ways of exploiting their weaknesses. And it's not just that, um, oh no, we're going to be a better side than them, so it doesn't matter what they do. That, which is, um, especially in this league, it's, it's fatal. I think. Mm. And uh, for uh, a striker, he came in under a tiny bit of stick after yeah. that game at Plymouth, uh, where he was he was unlucky with a couple of chances. I mean, Josh McInnes is absolutely filling his boots now, isn't he? Yeah, and I think, I, I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure after that show we came in and we said, look, that's going to happen sometimes. He got himself in the positions. It wasn't like he was nowhere near. He was getting himself in positions and he was just, you know, put a couple wide or, or didn't connect with them. Um, but then he went and signed that new contract, got himself on the score sheet that weekend, and as you say, just gone from strength to strength, obviously, Coming off the back of his international break, he would, where you know they're on the cusp of qualifying for a World Cup, um, and then to come back in, back at home, and yeah, another imperious header from him. And uh, I think I don't know if we said it or, or whether it was Carl or somebody, maybe even Ricky. Was it Ricky that said uh, he's going to get twenty goals this season? Yeah, it was Ricky. Um, so yeah, and I think I don't see why he can't. If he stays fit, there's no reason why he can't get that many this season. With respect to everybody out there, if there was anybody that was um, uh, criticising Josh McGuinness uh, after that, just one solitary performance, they need to walk into a brick yeah. wall very fast. <laughs> well, there was. He was out there on Twitter, you have to say. Uh, Roger Charles says, Hi, guys. I'm sitting in the beefer with Deb and going to miss the weekend game. Terry, your commentary keeps me sane. 3-0 Tuesday. Robbo is now God. Well, bless you for that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. uh, second goal, obviously. came. I mean, We've got this lovely habit at the moment of scoring twice in three <laughs> minutes the second week in a row. And... Um, Ricky Holmes also has a lovely habit of scoring from absolutely nothing because that ball came to him on the edge of the box. He looked like he was going to make a run down the left-hand side, which is the point that I look away. Then I look up and all of a sudden he's in a shooting position. I'm trying to work out how he's got there. But, I mean, that finish into the bottom corner, and we had the perfect angle of it from the the gantry, the curl, because it was going outside the post and it came back inside. And you could just see the keeper had absolutely no chance with it. 
Don't you think, though, in terms of Ricky Holmes' goals, it's 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 all right. <laughs> not, yeah, not one of his best. <laughs> oh, it was a per- absolute pearl. As you say, we were right behind it, and the way it curled into that left. I mean, the keeper had absolutely. It went in the only place it could have done to score. Yeah. It was uh, it was just pinpoint and just out away from the keeper's grasp, but just inside the post. And it was uh, yeah, looking from be- uh, from from uh, behind Ricky Holmes, it was just fantastic to watch it going in. It's funny because where from where I see it when he shot, I thought, oh, that's annoying because it's going <laughs> wide, and I, I just watched it, and then suddenly you see the net move and you think what else happened because I just it, I could, and obviously you say it curled a lot from where I was sitting behind the goal you just couldn't tell that but yeah as Tell says as far as uh, Ricky's goals go and they put the montage up on Valley Pass earlier that day of all of his goals it's not one of his best but it's still a fantastic goal because he had nowhere to go I just didn't expect him to shoot but Ricky Holmes, isn't it? He sets the bar quite high, yeah. doesn't he? <laughs> so uh, you won't you don't expect to see him scoring from inside the six yard box. No, do you? no. If the bar was any higher, he'd score a lot more as well. well. Actually, <laughs> It'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, the uh, so, so we, we've taken that two goal lead, but we, we have had this just this, this hap- again a habit perhaps of the last couple of weeks, and we've let Southend back into it now. Um, I will speak to Jason Pierce yesterday. He, uh, ask about you know goals from corners. It's not it's not ideal, is it? And and someone's obviously lost their man there, which happens. But you know, it's, if we if you're going to be hypercritical, you're always going to try and find a point that you, t- you can improve on, and that's something you can improve on. I guess. Oh, I think we've got to. I think um, it's almost especially the way teams are going to come at us, and I think this will be home and away. I mean, in the past you'd have said, uh, especially at home, teams will high press us, and then if they score first, a bit like Plymouth did, yeah, sit yeah. back and and uh, pick us off. Um, I think that's going to happen a lot. If, if we don't score first mm. uh, and the opposition score first, then they just sit back and I think that's where we might struggle to, uh, to, to... Because we want teams to come at us a little bit. We want that little bit of space so we can play football. Now, don't get me wrong, we've always got Patrick Bauer at set pieces or even Josh McGuinness and, and Piercy at set pieces. So that's a good thing. But, um, you know, you do worry... That if uh, if we concede the first goal, and I'm probably sounding over negative here, which is which is wrong because we're uh, we're second in the table. But um, you do sort of worry after that Plymouth game that there's still that it's a bit of nagging doubt that if we don't score first, then we might uh, find ourselves find it difficult to break other teams down. Um, so that first goal is all important, I think. And so that type of set piece, and maybe it's just a relaxation. I mean, it happens. It's human nature, isn't it? Well, you're two 0 up and, and up to that point, not really troubled uh, at the time then you just relax maybe and uh, I think whether or not it was uh, planned to leave um, John White against Chris Solly I'm not sure <laughs> maybe not and maybe that's the lapse in concentration that we've got to try and uh, eradicate when you say not really troubled I mean they did have their chances in that first half I mean, I, I'm, I'm talking about yeah I agree in yeah. the second half first half more yes comfortable, yeah. Yeah. I agree with that first half yes and uh, we rode our luck a little bit but that's look you're not going to go through 90 minutes without having to ride your luck occasionally yeah. and if you look at all the teams that might have got promoted or have got been in the top sort of six or, or certainly the top two or three they all have that little bit of luck they all have the little bit of luck with injuries as well uh, it, it's a lot of it not all of it but a lot of it is, is down to how good the team is of course of it but some of it is down to just how lucky they are during the season as well yeah. uh, obviously uh, a goal always changes the complexion of the game and then the nurse kicking I think it was about 12 minutes left when, when they got that goal and uh, mm. I mean we had the heart, heart in mouth moment maybe only about five minutes later when the, the, cor- I think it was the corner came over and now Amos has come out for it and missed it this time um, and the ball's rebound. I think it's come out to was it Leonard, and, and he's had his shot. And uh, you weren't sure, but I'm fairly confident it was McGuinness who got it off yeah, the line. Yeah, you said it was McGuinness. Yeah. yeah so um, yes, yeah, so it could, could have been snatched away from us at that point, but but we held firm in the end. As soon as their goal went in, because we, as you say, and, and I think one of you said about maybe relaxing a little bit too much. We got those two goals, and I just expected that was game over. Um, 
you know, last season, season before, I wouldn't have thought like that. But this year, I'm so confident in the team. I was like, right, that's that, that's that done. Um, and I wonder whether the team do start to feel a bit like that because at Oldham, obviously, the same thing happened. We let them get back into the game, and it's a set piece, which was frustrating. But as you say, then we're suddenly having ten minutes, whereas fans, you're suddenly very nervous and. When you look back on it, actually, there was no reason for us to be nervous because on the balance of the game, 2-1 was probably about right. But the way it is, you think, oh, we're going to throw this away. And as I say, particularly over the last three seasons, we've seen ourselves throw those sort of games away. But I thought Carl's game management was good. I thought his substitutions were good. People he brought on to do the certain jobs, you know, Dodu to, to stretch their defence on the counter and Konza to shore things up a bit, I thought was brilliant. And, and actually, apart from that, bit a nervy bit with Amos he then came out and made a punch and a couple of claims later on I thought we then sort of were a bit more resolute a bit more like Rotherham towards the end of that game you know shored things up and held on yeah I think especially during that five minutes of injury time we became experts at time wasting which is always nice to see when you're not on the receiving end I was waiting for Cashy to go and lie in the net (laughs) on the receiving end right um, Lewis Sullivan tweeted in earlier said yes it wasn't a great performance but this is league one at the end of the day it's a results business and that's what we are getting and don't forget I want to hear everyone's uh, opinions on yesterday's performance you can email us studio at charltonlive.co.uk you can tweet us at Charlton Live head over to the Charlton Live forum there's a thread on there uh, as well uh, plenty of you have already got in touch and we will get to those in a few moments time but first of all uh, obviously we want to hear what the uh, the manager had to say after that performance. Carl Robinson uh, came in to speak to Terry after yesterday's game. This is what he said after we beat two, uh, Southend by two goals to one here at the Valley. Joined by Carl Robinson in the studio after uh, another nervy end to a game that uh, basically we had to grind out the wind, didn't we? Yeah, listen, I thought today was a different side of us. I think, I think people need to understand tactically they were very good first half. Uh, second half as the game drew on, we looked at, we looked at a different class at certain stages. And we we switched off at one moment and conceded a goal, which is a bit disappointing. But most important thing is we got the win. And and is it uh, is it something you, that as a team and as a management you've got to get used to uh, teams coming here and and frustrating yeah. the side and closing us down? Yeah, I, I, think, I think at certain stages today when you look at some of their they made it difficult for us, obviously. Um, and we were, we were disciplined in that. I think our two midfield players weren't as good as what they have been. Um, and we know maybe the saving bits in the legs. Jake wasn't too well before the game. He said something to me, but uh, Ricky wouldn't feel overly great either. Obviously, this time of year, obviously the change in the weather, and the, it's it's just part and parcel of life living in in England in some ways that everyone goes through. It's historically known through September and October. You start picking up colds and little things, and when we're going into a period where we're asking the body to do a lot more than it's done before, you're going to put yourselves in, in higher risk. But today, listen, I thought we were, we were comfortable at stages. We sort of let them back in. But other than that, I thought, as a whole, we, we can be very proud of the players today. Must be delighted with, especially that sort of 10-minute period when we did actually score the twice. Oh, we so could have yeah. got three or four. We yeah. were back to, to our sort of flowing best. Yeah, it looks it's phenomenal when you see it. Like it is. It's, it's great to watch. It's, it's exciting. And, and hopefully the players get excited by it. Well, I know they get excited by it. Um, but Josh's goal is the, is the perfect goal as a coach. That is, I think, when everybody's dreaming of scoring that FA Cup goal as a kid for their favourite team, it's a header six yards out in the air and powers it in the back. And there's nothing better than that. Um, as a big number nine, and I'm so happy with the delivery from Souls um, and Ricky's goals right behind. That's just a touch of class for him as always, and he's uh, just shows you how important these two players were re-signing their contracts in the summer. Um, I always said sometimes the activity might not sound great. I'll be honest with you, I had the choice of maybe bringing in a player or signing new contracts with some of the players that were already here. And I, I felt it was more important to bring in, to re-sign some of the more quality rather than maybe bring in somebody else that we're not quite sure of. 
Um, and then the players we give the contracts to and PSE and, and, and the other two certainly put a performance on today and showed you why they're some of the best players in the league. You mentioned Ricky Holmes' goals. He doesn't score tap-ins uh, and this was certainly another another one out of the top draw. Um, he came off just towards the end and not he quite felt a bit dizzy. After, he felt a bit cramp as well. Felt dizzy, yeah. Uh, felt fatigued and dizzy. So I, I, I never want to bring Ricky Holmes off. It's only when he's almost flat on the feet. You know what it's like. Yeah. Um, but hopefully he'll recover properly. He's been chatting to him now and he feels okay. Um, we're going to then see the dock and see how he feels over the next 48 hours. And you've got a game obviously uh, coming up on Tuesday night. Is, is, is that at the foremost in your mind uh, yeah. about how to pick the side? Because yeah. it, are changes in force because of uh, what you just said? Um, I, I need to take stock tomorrow and see where we're at. And maybe even I won't, I won't pick the team. Maybe we'll bring in a little bit later on the Monday, and then I'll have a little look at what I think we can what we can do. But um, right now, I've not really got a great idea about what what route we're going to go down. Uh, we're going to obviously see what happens and we'll do something from there. I'll take it as a good pressure. We're uh, we're second in the table now, only a point behind Shrewsbury. We're, uh, if you include the back end of last season, we're only one defeat in 11 now in league games, I think. Does that add its own pressure as well? No, it's what everyone's asked for. So don't don't let success be a burden. Um, I'll be honest, you said in there, I get nervous sometimes for games because I can't lose. I hate it. It's, it's something that it drives me on every day in my life not losing um, I don't know if it's not, it's not losing or I just love winning because um, when we certainly do win I certainly enjoy it but equally when, when we don't win and, and every single day that we win I worry about losing the next one um, and that's my driver and my motivation to continue um, regardless wherever we are in the league I didn't really know where we were in the league I knew we had 15 points um, historically I always knew that would be decent to get up in the top half of the table at least um, but to know that we're in a very competitive position and we, we know we've got some very difficult games coming up but we're certainly ready for the fight and that's going to be our main objective and Just a final word from me on on Jason Pearce uh, and, and Patrick Barrett and uh, probably the whole bit for we're up against a physical unit now Ranger they used a lot yeah. and uh, it, I said it before he loves battles he must love battles a lot Yeah but I thought I think that range is one of the most equipped all-round strikers in the league um, sometimes players play lower down the levels of our game because they have a deficiency in certain aspects of the, of, of the technical or tactical makeup or athletic capabilities and I don't think he's the case obviously externally to football he's had so many other issues off the pitch there's, there's made, that's why he's here so we know on his day he's as good as it gets and uh, the two of them today and Cox being there seeing it done it. now Ranger and Cox are, are two top strikers if you look in the last two weeks you've had Cox and Ranger and you've had Davis and Owen uh, Doyle so we've played up against four really good strikers in the last few games and when you look before that they've not always the first time hit Ranger and Cox played together this year so it's up against them at a difficult time. First time Davis and Doyle played against us. First time they played together against us. So it just seems that we're standing up to the fight. And two centre halves as good as it gets. They really do. I think the world of them. And I worked for Ben as well. He came out. He lost one. The next one he came for the next one and claimed it. It's what I'm asking him to do. But he looks a machine in that goal. He looks a presence. And when he does miss it, he puts people off in and around him. So it puts them on the heels. So really pleasing performance. Hopefully the fans are happy. They go away happy. They know they sounded like they were happy. Um, and once again, hopefully that's our that's the main objective here is to put a bit of pride back into the football club. And and I think certainly at the moment you can certainly see that's that's the case. And for me, the the uh, the goal when it came disappointing as you said, uh, you know, on free header. But the attitude of the players after that, you, there was a there was a clearance off the line. I think it was Josh McGuinness. Somebody was mentioning, uh, and then you had mm. uh, uh, another. Jason Pierce throwing himself mm. in front of a ball at the end. I mean, that's the sort of a, yeah. Well, I think it dropped to Leonard right hand yeah. side of the goal. I could just see that come. F- I, I just had permission of just going in the top corner. She got the second yeah. So it was exceptional from the defensively. It just shows you what, what 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 they think about playing for the football club. They put the bodies on the line, and and they're the people that you want to support week in week out. Well, 
congratulations on the win. Thank Another you. Win, keeping it going. Cheers. Season, Thank you. Cheers. Taking his man on well clock. Does really well as well to do so. To the now he's on to take on Buchanan. Keeping the ball. Lovely ball into Konza to the touchline. Konza, reverse ball. Back to Forster. Kaske! And there's the third. And it's game over and three points for Charlton. Welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. That was Carl Robinson speaking to Terry after yesterday's game against Southend, followed up by some very shouty mascots. Was that yesterday's yeah. mob? Uh, yeah. yeah, mostly the Lamberts, they were. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and bless her, uh, Florence, who was a star. Yeah. Um, I thought uh, at first I might struggle uh, because she didn't look like she really uh, wanted to be part of it. Uh, but I said, can you shout? And her brother, her brother, I think it was uh, Samuel, went, oh, yeah, she can. And he said something like, pretend pretend you're angry with me, something about a doll. I think. So anyway, when I turned the mic on, she went mental. <laughs> and she doesn't lose so many arguments at home. Yeah. I don't know if she's a girl as well who filmed herself coming out of the tunnel. Yeah, with, probably, because she was the only girl in the group. Homes, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go, because that was a, a brilliant video the club retweeted earlier of... Uh, the mascot filming herself coming out the tunnel with Ricky, and Ricky was being really good with her. And yeah, no, no, they were brilliant in here yesterday. Yeah. Uh, all the Lamberts, Samuel, Florence, Jacob, and, uh, and little Milo as well. Well, one family, were they? No, no, Milo was, was from a different uh, family, I believe, but uh, um, no, they were all good. Excellent. I hope they enjoyed the day. Um, let, let's uh, get on some correspondence here. you got the tweets got up some there. tweets. got one from Amy. Oh, uh, the lovely Amy. The lovely Amy, who says, uh, glad we got a result against uh, a maybe more testing side. Uh, Ricky Holmes is magical and the third point is someone needs to teach Foster about a tunnel jump um, <laughs> I think you guys can explain that more than Molly because I was at the wrong angle yeah well I was as well but I've seen a video after but Tommy you, you saw it in the flesh and it was I mean who was it we said did a rubbish tunnel jump two weeks ago Cashy and uh, yeah. I, I thought that crapness couldn't be um, overtaken but it has it definitely was yeah so he was one of the last to go in and then obviously the North Upper start sort of were in and wait in and then he sort of wandered out had a look round turned back sort of got told something and then raised his fist and then did a little hop and that was about it. And I thought, my instinct was, right, he's telling someone else or explaining to somebody else, this is what you're going to do, but I'm not going to do it properly. But I just think he didn't know what he was doing. Is that the reason that the, the covered, you know, the covered in did the whole and then it went, oh. Yeah, <laughs> is, that, is that it? And then, then Pierce oh, came out know. and then uh, obviously did it properly. That's, that's, but yeah, that's was, what you get with like tricky wingers, isn't it? They don't always impress. Yeah. Yeah, and <laughs> He's going to have his bad tunnel jumps, yeah. his good tunnel jumps. Oh, so. uh, credit to, to Piercey because uh, he, he came in here for the post-match with a bucket of ice So because uh, he went down in a bit of a heap, didn't he? Uh, yeah. Well, he did, didn't he yeah. So credit for doing that. I hope, uh, uh, hope he didn't twist in. Blame Fosser if he did. Yeah. Amy mentioned there as well, this is something me and her have been talking about after like, the Northampton games. She said, yeah, it's great to beat Northampton, but they were rubbish, aren't they? you got, you got to see yourself against the testing side. Now, we had a South End team yesterday that came and tested us. I thought Rotherham did. Um, obviously, Oldham aren't the best team in the league, but they gave us a good game. And obviously, Wigan's going to be a huge test on, mm-hmm. on Tuesday. You know, it, It's standing up against the teams that perhaps aren't playing, that are playing quite well. So I said it in the intro yesterday, South End were a point away from the playoffs yeah. Uh, yeah, last season. Uh, and I don't know how much more of their side or how different their side is compared to last season, uh, whether there are too many changes. But they were, uh, you know, they got some good players. Timlin and Kitely in that midfield, I think last season we'd have said would have been one of the best midfield we come up against mm. last season. So uh, they're a good side. I don't uh, think they're going to be down where they no. are for long. Um, no. I thought they, yeah, as I say, they tested us a lot yesterday. Um, they're quite how good they would have been had they not uh, got somebody back from holiday. Uh, 
just in time to play yesterday. Holiday at Her Majesty's so Pleasure. That's the one, yeah. yeah. Um, you go on holiday to some strange places. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, you know, uh, according to some people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the... Uh, the um, because they did use him a lot. I mean, they did yeah. use him as tar- and he's a good player. Don't get me mm. wrong. Uh, they use, but they used him a lot as target man. It makes you wonder who they would use him beforehand. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, fu- it's it's funny that the ranger just keeps getting into trouble, though, isn't it? I mean, he, he obviously thinks he's going to get away, but policemen are going to be policemen. They're going to find you and they're going to nick you. That's a yeah. very good yeah. point indeed. Yeah. Well made. Yeah. Right. Uh, let's get back on the on the tweet hotel. Oh, sorry. Come on, <laughs> uh, JFC's medic, uh, Classy Kasky has uh, tweeted this in. Great performance to get the win. Southend came with a game plan to disrupt our plan. It worked. Boys stuck together. Got the win they deserved in the end. Tuesday's game versus Wigan will be the toughest test and show us how far we've come. Come on, you Reds. Which is a fair point. I think um, I think we all agree that mm. Wigan, having come down last season and probably one of the favourites to go back mm. up, are going to be the test. Yeah. A lot. Mm. They had their first defeat yesterday, but that was the way at Barcelona. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Uh, Anthony Penton has uh, also tweeted, Southend had plenty of chances. That would have been a game we'd struggle to get anything from in the last couple of seasons, which I agree. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, the point, that's the point that, that keeps coming up now when you compare this team to last season. I, I was chatting up in the pub last night with um, Frank, a, a mate of mine, and his, his mate Steve, who I met, chatting to this guy Steve for a little while. Somehow got into non league and said, oh, I, I sort of said, yeah, I go down Bromley. Oh, I used to play for Bromley, so <laughs> got to meet another hero. And uh, but we were sort of saying, like, again, it keeps coming up. Games like that last season where it was a nothing game, we wouldn't have we wouldn't have had that bit of quality turn on, like, and and, and scored that opening goal because I mean, you can't underestimate how good that opening goal was, and we turned it on out of almost you know a, a spell in the game where we were trying to assert a bit of pressure. But you know, sometimes it wasn't quite coming off. But yesterday, just, oh, it's, it's such a superb I think, goal. Um, I think if you go. And let's go back to the pre-season friendlies. At times against Norwich uh, mm. at home, definitely against Ipswich at home. <laughs> uh, the Northampton, no, not uh, the Oldham first thirty minutes. I think we we can see that we've got the ability to play some absolute breathtaking football currently. Uh, and when we're allowed to do that, uh, there isn't a team in this league that can stop us. Mm. I don't think it depends on whether we can be allowed to do that at any time. We did it for uh, well, I'd say what a fifteen-minute spell yesterday uh, at times when we scored the two goals and probably could have had another one. There, I mean, if um, if Foster looked up and saw Billy Clark to his right, yeah. then maybe we'd have got another one. Uh, so, if we're allowed to play football like that, and I think actually we might, I, I think if I was going to be critical at all, it's the confidence to when we were two 0 up to go for three and four, mm. rather than sit back and think we're comfortable now because uh, that leaves us, you know, them scoring a goal in the last few minutes and, and it's squeaky bum time. Go for the jugular. Go, you know, yeah. if we're that good and they can't uh, stay with us, then then get four, and then it doesn't matter anymore. And that's that's what I said to my girlfriend who came to the game with me yesterday. When when McGuinness scored, I said, right, we're going to get two or three now because you could see, as you said, we'd had 15 minutes of blistering football. We got our goal. You saw them all relax. The fans, I think, relaxed as well because we were a little bit like, right, this isn't working. Why is it not working? And I thought, right, we're going to get a few more now. And then obviously three minutes later, home scores, and you go, yeah, we're still going to, we're still going to. And then we did just switch off a little bit. Maybe got a little bit complacent, whatever it was. But even then, you know, they say uh, that emailer or Twitter says that a couple of seasons ago we wouldn't have won that. Well, we let them get back into the game and yet we still won it again. And and last season we would have gone on and drawn that game and thrown that that those extra well, two points away. Arguably we wouldn't have been 2-0 up in the first yeah. place. <laughs> yeah, so there's two points there where we could easily have lost that game and we haven't, we've won it. I've uh, got um, Freddie tweeting us in, agree with Terry. Huh. Thank you, Freddie. Uh, I can't get too excited. I don't know how to feel at the moment. Just waiting for the next car crash. Uh, and Marion, who's this is her first chart in life uh, uh, this this season, and it's no coincidence that I'm here. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and she says, "Yes, I think we're all the same." Where have you been? Where have you been when you're not being here? Have you been with Marion? Well, you know, sh- <laughs> let's not let's not talk. Uh, <laughs> 
Hi guys, uh, no you've read that one, that's uh, Roger in, yeah. in Ibiza, you've read that one. Yeah. Uh, this is 100% Charlton, thought the first half was a bit flat but second was a lot better, great goals by Josh and Ricky, roll on Tuesday, another three points hopefully, and um, Pierce was his man of the match, as his was mine I'll say, I'd have yeah, to say. Yeah i say he was mine as well. Yeah. Thought he was excellent, plus Clark in my opinion is getting better, run the show yesterday up the Reds. Now I think um, Clark is, is, is a find, oh, yeah. uh, Billy Clark, who uh, I think is just, reminds me a lot of Gary Nelson. Uh, who does just selfishly just runs and runs and runs and he always seems to be where you want him to be. I think uh, I think unsung hero springs to mind, Billy Clark, mm, yeah, already. Yeah. His link-up player is spectacular. Yeah, and I'd, I'd, I'd actually like to... I didn't say it before, I haven't been had the chance to say it before, but um, the uh, the first 30 minutes away uh, Oldham last week, and it's a shame that Carlin got injured um, in that second half. I thought his movement... Um, you know, we were all worried about not having Josh McGuinness, and I know I'm harping back in, uh, a couple of weeks, but... Um, his movement up front was uh, was one of the reasons we played that well in the first thirty minutes with Cashy and uh, and Clark and Forster Cassie all doing it. It was just outstanding. Uh, it's the first time I've had to say that, so I thought I should. Yeah, excellent. There's one that came in from Reese. Uh, he sent on notes as well, so you might not see it on your one. But he ah. says, uh, bad. "Oh yes, I've got it." Yeah. Have you got it? Uh, just. Yeah. Um, it's loading, so you might. All right. Okay. It, it says uh, bad first half, first twenty minutes. We couldn't deal with long balls. And the defence and Amos were a mess, other than Pierce, who made some fantastic uh, blocks. But as the first half went on, uh, we got back into it and made many more chances. Second half was much better, playing the swift football we have all uh, we have been all season and took our chances well. Back to the wall from there, but we just held on again. Overall, I think a draw would have been a fair result. Performance was okay, but uh, but all that matters is the result. So I'm very happy in the end. I mean, would you agree with that? Draw, fair result. I mean. Probably not on balance. Well, I, think, I, I sort of agree with him about the first half. I think we mm. were show. I'm not sure about a miss, but because I still think Pierce, I thought Pierce uh, and Bow when he needed to dealt with Ranger reasonably mm. well. I think our problem was because of that high pressing game, uh, they managed to get in behind us in that midfield a lot more than, mm. than probably we wanted to. Mm. But um, I, so I'd agree with the first half was shaky, but um, not necessarily. I, I still think we were worth the win. And Bauer should have dressed up as a policeman and Ranger would have run a mile, wouldn't he? <laughs> <Hey. laughs> uh, right, uh, let's go on to the emails. Got plenty of emails that have come in. Uh, if you want to have your say, you can email studio at chartonlive.co.uk. You can tweet us at Charlton Live. We can head over to Charlton Live Forum. Uh, our player in focus this evening is Jason Pierce. I've just tweeted out. So if you want to respond to uh, that tweet about Jason Pierce, uh, to have your say on him, because like I say, he um, uh, he's, our, he's our player in focus tonight. Uh, right, first email, as per always, is from Mr. Chris Davin. Uh, so just got home from work to see we've secured another three points. This is becoming a habit, uh, much as uh, much the same as Palace's form, but in reverse. <laughs> very nice, very nice. If anyone's looking forward to match of the day two tonight, it's it's pretty much a perfect weekend, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. All three the the, the three South London results went the way we wanted them to. Uh, second in the table, Big Josh and Holmes are on fire. Uh, everything in the Valley Garden is looking rosy. Robinson started badly, but Roland has sacked managers for less. Uh, but he's stuck with him, and so far this season, it's reaping the benefits. Makes you wonder if we stuck with Carol Fry, we may be knocking on the door of the Premiership by now. <laughs> <laughs> may, maybe. Chris, uh, <laughs> we, we wouldn't. I, I'm well, it might be the Scottish Premiership. <laughs> the National Conference League. Conference Premier, yeah. yeah. Rhymer and Premier League. <laughs> uh, uh, onwards, and he says, onwards and upwards. It's Wigan next up at the Valley. My work rotor means that I'll be able to attend on Tuesday. Really looking forward to it. Hopefully, the Valley is rocking under the floodlights. Always knew that Roland and his daughter, Katrine, would get it right one day. And then he sent the winky face emoji. Uh, uh, oil, where's that Nathan geezer still living the dream on some far-off sun-kissed beach? Uh, obviously, Nathan got married. And then he's... Uh, he's uh, 
uh, honeymoon was due for uh, <laughs> hurricane Florida, hurricane it? land. Oh, was it? Yeah, he was there, due yeah. to be in Antigua, but I think they've rearranged and he's gone off to Lucia tonight. So that's where he is. But yeah, thanks for your email. Uh, thanks for your email there, uh, Chris Devon. Uh, now, this one's from uh, Samuel Spong. It says, uh, promoted clubs need two types of striker, the 20-goal-a-season star and the 15-goal-a-season supporting partner. Both are as important as each other. For me, Josh is the 15-goal man, a strong player, but doesn't quite have enough to put us in the top two. Despite all that, Holmes and eventually Reeves will bring. You can't replace that leading goal source. A real cause for optimism, though, is our fullbacks. Dynamic, creative, tough, uh, both with end product, easily the best in the league. Jay De Silva is a joy to watch and has what it takes uh, to reach the very top. But unfortunately, as the victims of Chelsea's exploitative loan system, uh, we'd be happy to take him off their hands upon promotion. It finally feels like watching a Charlton team again, not just 11 players with 11 different personal agendas. I still believe the club is for sale as Roland doesn't and never will uh, care about what happens on the pitch. Might as well enjoy our, ourselves in the meantime. So there's a few points there we can pick up from. That's a good email there from Sam. The first one, of course, is saying about the the need for a 20-goal season and a 15-goal season. Now, first of all, I mean, Ricky Holmes said it himself, he felt that Josh can do 20, and the form he's on at the moment, you, you probably wouldn't argue with that, but Sam, Sam doesn't quite feel that's the case. Uh, and also, do you, I mean, do you think, I mean, because, you know, we all wanted another striker in January, in the in the summer transfer, and we all know that, but at the same time, we, we are keen to point out goals do come from midfield and that sort of thing. And I think that's the way we're set up. Um, I think, uh, yeah, we'd all have it. Well, we, to be fair, we did have a 25-goal season um, striker, mm. but he's currently at Bury, isn't he? And not getting a game. But uh, he's, he's, he's been a 25 goal a season striker once. once. Well, there we once. are. But, yeah, but uh, anybody us. who scores 25 goal a seasons for the last five seasons are not playing in League One, are they? Uh, no. So uh, I think we're set up differently anyway. I think we've got McGuinness, who's. Uh, let, uh, let's say it is a 15 goal uh, season for, for McGuinness. Um, you've got Ricky Holmes, who's you're probably going to get the similar amount of goals from, you know, 12 yeah. to 15. Forster Kasky has been targeted to get more goals this season. He's already got, what, three? Uh, two or three, so he'd be he'd be looking at a dozen goals, uh, potentially. Uh, and Reeves, we've got coming back in um, into the game. Fosu, maybe not at the moment because he's probably still a bit young. But if uh, if Marshall back and fit weighs in with half a dozen, you know. So I, what I'm getting at is rather than concentrating on thirty goals from two players or uh, mm. thirty five goals from two players, we should be concentrating on forty. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
goals from four players. That's the thing. I think if you look at the the League One table for the last, I don't know, five years, and you look at those top six teams and what they've scored as a team, I think we're well more than capable of getting that amount of goals. Will they be from one or two players? Probably not. But I think the team's more than capable of getting that. It's just we're going to share them around. Mm. Having Can't. said that, I also do think that McGuinness is more than capable of getting 20. Yes. Don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd, I'd still would say that it'd be great to get a 20-25 goal a season yeah. striker. Don't get me wrong. I'd, I'd love mm. one. But I'm just not sure we're uh, we're in the market for one because I'm not sure they exist particularly, especially then to play in League One as well. Yeah, right. What was the other point I was going to pick up from in that email? Uh, it's still talking about Roland, of course. Um, says Duncan. Okay. I mean, there was a good bit in the Voice of the Valley yesterday where, uh, if you read the editorial in the in the in the Voice of the Valley, Rick Everett's talking about how you know Roland can't really take any credit for what's happening now because what's happening now is just a complete abandonment of, of what his plan was the entire time he's been here you know n- none of this foreign managers none of this cheap foreign players that you know hoping to find some some diamonds in the rough that sort of stuff it does seem I mean this is it feels like at the moment a return to um english football structures that sort that sort of thing i mean i, I don't mean you have to be english i mean the, no. the sort of structure where the manager is in charge the frustrating thing is mm. if this um if the current situation had been the situation three seasons ago well mm. where would we be now yeah? exactly yeah we'd be in the premier league with carol fry according to chris, chris <laughs> yeah. i think the only credit you can give roland if and if that's if you can give him any is that it doesn't feel like we're owned by roland <laughs> and, that's, and because of that we're doing quite well and if you yeah. just ignore him because we seem to be and we seem to have had a manager who's being able to do what, what he wants and it, it's working and I think this this next email this, this flows so perfectly the next one from Bob Liscombe it's a very short email it says evening guys message to Roland and Katrine it feels so good to have the feel good factor back of the valley please don't ruin it by doing something stupid there you go <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's, that's what it's, the, the, um, it's always been rather unreliable uh, but um you know, you, you, he's always been unpredictable. Sorry, mm. you don't know what's going to happen next. Um, so well, that, we were, that's always at the back. We of your were mind, in hold our breath moment for the end of the transfer window, weren't we? I mean, yeah, we were, yeah. we were all expecting something uh, uh, to give, and, and probably the worst, oh, and the it didn't happen. Post. So we're going to just go through the same process in January, aren't we? We're just going <laughs> to say, right, let's just please no, please, please no. But who knows? You know, as you say, we've we've been there before, and uh, and I suppose January will actually be the biggest test for us mm. as to as to what. We can or can't achieve. Mm. Got a couple more tweets, actually. Uh, yeah, so I've got them in. Uh, Nathan first. Holmes is a great player. Uh, however, there are at least two times a game where he could lay it off but continues on a run to shoot. Uh, I don't disagree with that, Nathan. I agree with you 100%, and I'll, I'd let him do it all the time. <laughs> do <laughs> what he wants. Do what he wants. <laughs> and I think, having spoken to Ricky Holmes a few times, there is no way on this planet anybody's going to get the ball off him mm. but when I, he's on a run. Yeah. I was thinking about Ricky, because like, obviously there's a nice video of the kid going out yeah. with Ricky yesterday. Um for someone who's so good, he's so down to earth. He's as well. a I mean, breath we, of fresh air. Yeah, we, we spoke. I remember, like, so we spoke to him at Oldham, and it's some some great lines about we thought we were better than we were, and mm-hmm. you know, we mm-hmm. got carried away. We were silly for doing that. Us experienced boys. And you remember away at Sheffield United yep. last year yep. when uh, Clive had asked him about you know where he, where he gets his energy from, and and he went on talking about um, you know the, the the punters pay their money. Why why should I put in a half, why would I put in half a Absolutely. shift? And then you also see if I do that, I'm rubbish anyway. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's just and an the, even better yeah. moment uh, with Russell Slade, which I will one day mention. <laughs> <laughs> one day, yeah, one day, yeah. one day it will come uh, to light. Port Vale away. <laughs> That's I, remember, the one. I remember the moment you're talking about uh, specifically there. Well, in a book somewhere that will come. So <laughs> uh, Lewis as well. Uh, three tweets on a on a bounce from Lewis. Thank you. Um, Southend had a lot of the ball, but didn't really do a lot. Amos made one save, and McGuinness off the line. They made it a test. 
but I don't think they really troubled us. Just a lot of set pieces. As usual, we pinged it about fluidly and quickly. And uh, regarding McGuinness, any striker in this team will get chances. And with the service, McGuinness will get goals. Quality in the air too. Cheers, Lewis. Uh, oh, another one. There's an ex uh, and and the final one from Lewis at the moment. Every goal he scored being a header too. So if the crosses are good and frequent, he'll nod them in. I was just about to say that. I think, it, you know, he got a fair few goals last season. But when we talk about who he had supplying those those balls into him last season, the quality is so much better this year, and you're mm. seeing the results of it. Hmm. Excellent. Right. And uh, back on the emails, this one's from Richard Church. He says, uh, "Hi, chaps. For me, the best thing about yesterday, apart from the winning the goals, obviously." was the put-your-body-on-the-line defending. Pierce, especially twice in as many minutes, threw himself in the way of shots. Just the sort of thing that we were not doing last year. I don't know what Mr. Robertson has done to generate this new spirit of togetherness. But long may it continue. Come on, you Reds. I mean, I've got a theory about that, actually, right. if you don't mind. Yeah, um, I'm always. We, we, well, we, we like to go with mindless theories. <laughs> well, it's just that um, everybody said last couple of seasons that we always had a reasonable team spirit. Uh, but it seems to be, and I agree with that that last email, it's, it just seems to be so much better this season. And it can't be a coincidence that yeah. it's so much better this season without um, some players, you know, with the players we've let go. Yeah. And so it, it always seemed right, you know, friendly enough in the team last season, but he's right, this season um, it just seems to be a completely I mean, look, different togetherness. Look at that. Apart from Overstad, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, at that, look at that Shrewsbury game uh, last year. And I bought, I bought this up. I'm trying to think when I bought this up with Carl. I think it was during pre-season. I bought it up and I said... Yeah, spirit so much better and then just for a point to compare it to I said you know you compare it to Shrewsbury when, when you have to say all those things about your team mm. you know the spirit in the camp feels so much better this year and I asked him what, what he felt had changed about it and I don't know I mean, he waffled on like he does well, and he's going to sidestep that yeah mm. he, he, just sort, he just sort of talks about you know the badge like he likes to but he's, he's obviously done something um, well I yeah but I think he's you know the, the club um, whether it be whether he's uh, the, the reason for it uh, move players elsewhere um, and uh, some people thought it was strange, you know, why get rid of certain uh, players in certain positions when you, on the face of it, you look woefully short. Well, maybe because the negatives far outweigh the positives, um, and he's they're only they're they're in the best position to know that more than us. But it just seems too coincidental uh, to be to not be true. I think you look at those players, the what we want to call the senior players as well, and they take a lot of credit because. You say Ricky came out after Oldham and talked about it. You hear Jason Pierce talking after games. You hear uh, Jacko obviously now being part staff. Solly, those players seem to be taking a lot of responsibility. Um, and, and as Tell says, now there's no bad eggs is maybe a bit harsh, but there's no one perhaps as more disruptive influence. Those people are getting those points across. And a couple of times, again, how much we believe Carl saying this, I don't know. But a couple of times he said they come in after games. I think he said it after Plymouth. And the players know what they've done wrong. And they're talking about it themselves. And he's handing that responsibility over to them. And they seem to be doing doing that. And that, that's obviously really good to see as a fan. And uh, again, I spoke to Brett. Uh, one, of the com one of the things he said is that they, they were in the dressing room. And after, after a win, you normally expect music and everybody upbeat. Mm. And they were a bit flat. Because they uh, they were disappointed with that goal in the last five minutes, where they were, you know looked like where they were hanging on, and that, mm. that disappointed them a lot, um, which is so, which sort of speaks volumes for for the way. And and he's right about players throwing. I'd, I'd add Cashy to that yeah. bunch as well, yeah. and and I wish he'd stop. <laughs> How many <laughs> times did he go down yesterday? Yeah. And, oh, by the way, did yeah, anybody no. else get a heart failure when our man of the match, Jason Pierce, thought he was McGuinness? Or thought he was yeah, Ricky Holmes. The last, what was that? Minutes, what was he doing? the last two minutes, started play, play, play the ball out of defence. Good. 
starts running up straight. What are you and doing? Then, and then passed it and kept running. Yeah. And Stop. then like, it's also, I mean, I like, I, I, I'm a big fan of when defenders do that, come mm. out the back. When Marauding it's, run. Yeah. When it's but not the last like, minute and we're, exactly. we're desperately hanging on. There should be like an invisible force field yeah. about 25 yards away from the goal where they, just stop. where they just bounce off and go, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. Or a nosebleed or something should give them the hint. Yeah. There's a they couple of times where I went, right, you'll play it to the corner now and we'll just leave it down there and they didn't. Yeah. And I was going, just hit it to the corner. I was nearly out of my seat running on the pitch to drag Jason Pierce back to position. Uh, right, final email is from Marcus. says, uh, uh, delighted with how we've started the season, proud of the team and how we seem to be turning a corner now. If this is how we're performing, with t- uh, now teams will be running scared when Reeves and Marshall are fit. That's a good point because you've still got the two of the best players from the last last season's league one to come back. It's been a long time coming, but let's continue to push for promotion and keep the buzz going around the valley. And it just adds a little a little note at the end. Oh, and Cashy is king, which uh, I don't think any of us are going to disagree with. Absolutely. Uh, got a few <laughs> few more tweets. In response to uh, the Charlton Live tweet about uh, uh, player in focus, uh, Jason Pierce. Uh, David Young's tweeted in the dogs do does. It doesn't actually say do does, by the way. Uh, our best since Morrison uh, and Freddie. Freddie's uh, tweeted in. I think Freddie's been sucking on a lemon for a, for, a, for, a, for, a, for the weekend. He says I weren't too pleased with the result yesterday. I think we had a twenty-minute spell where we scored two goals. Otherwise, me. Although I'm delighted with the three points and great delight for the lads putting the shift in to grind it out. But we need to be better. Oh, Freddie. Yeah. Uh, well, come on, now, Freddie. Take, take the performance, don't you? And on, and in, on its merits. But there you go. There's a couple more tweets. Uh, yeah, Lewis. Uh, again, thanks, Lewis. Carl uh, called the players dead wood, but then quickly backtracked regarding the players that left. Clearly, he was right. And 100% Charlton's uh, tweeted in the only thing stopping McGuinness from getting 20 goals will be if he gets injured and then rush back like last season. It's a good point. Excellent. Right, let's have a quick break here on Charlton Live. Don't forget, we have still got the player in focus. So if you've got any more tweets you want to say uh, about uh, Jason Pierce, we'll do that as a feature in a few moments. So I'm going to hear from former Charlton co manager and former Addicts player, uh, Steve Grit. Uh, I spoke to him on the phone earlier. We're going to talk about John Fortune for a little while because I'm desperately trying to plug my, my favourite <laughs> thing I've ever done, which is my John Fortune interview. Uh, and then we're going to look ahead to uh, Tuesday's game here at the Valley with Wigan back in a couple of minutes. Holmes to force Kasky. Holmes, Clark, lovely play. Clark brings the ball forward. He's got Holmes inside who he uses. Holmes, Holmes, Holmes. Holmes! Yes! What a goal! Charlton, Ricky Holmes on his left foot, brought the ball forward, continue with it, and fires in the back of the net. Charlton have their second. Holmes against his former side. left I've got to spank this and my word didn't he welcome back to Channel Live here on Maritime uh, Radio you've, uh, been, uh, you've been recording in my bedroom again <laughs> <laughs> my word didn't he because, well uh, you know yeah was that Marion by any yeah. chance <laughs> uh, right. you call Marion a he <laughs> so you like oh, you're in trouble uh, I didn't say that um, uh, right let's uh, let's talk about John Fortune because uh, if, you, if you listen to Thursday's Big Match preview show, you would have heard a clip of our exclusive uh, new feature-length podcast, Chapman Live meets John Fortune. Uh, I, I, I sat down on, on the phone with, with Forch last uh, Wednesday for a, a well over an hour, 
uh, and we chatted all about his career. Obviously, the moment he sent the Palace down, but loads of other great stories as well. Uh, and I've edited that down and released it as a podcast. I think it went out on Friday. So if you're listening to this on the Chat and Live podcast, wherever you got this podcast from, you check further down the feed, you'll find uh, Chat and Live meets John Fortune. But um, let's talk, if we just talk about him as a player, I mean, obviously he had some two or three stand-up moments. Like, the, for example, when he when he scored to send the Palace down, he said. Uh, he joked the other moment that he's remembered for is when Thierry Henry backheeled the ball through his legs. Um, but that was, I mean, that was on Football Focus yesterday. Yeah, that was it. That goal. Oh, that's yeah, good timing. That was. Was that to plug our uh, podcast? Really? Well, I pl- I plugged it to the girlfriend. So. <laughs> Did you listen? Uh, that was about it. Uh, she hasn't yet. Oh, but then neither have I yet. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but I mean, Terry, that John Fortune's career at Charlton spanned well over 10 years over two spells but it's banned the, the, the most successful era of, of our recent and, times and, and that should be uh, his um, uh, I don't know his abiding memory um, or our abiding memory of him he, uh, he was a damn fine centre half for us and uh, popped up with the odd goal but generally he was a he was a quality defender and and uh, uh, and did his job probably. He was, an, uh, I suppose, you'd say call him a no-nonsense centre half. I mean, he could play football. You know, I mean, he, he was reasonable with it, with his feet, but you wouldn't necessarily expect him to do what Jason Pearce does, like dribble it all the way to the uh, opposition penalty box. But um, he was just. And I suppose again, it, it's weird because you, you know, if you uh, if you think of Richard Rufus, sometimes you think of standout centre half, standout tackle, standout moments in his game. But and John probably less so. Because um, he, he probably was more dependable than out. You know what I mean? Than outstanding. I don't mean that in a di- any di- uh, disrespectful way. Uh, because John Fortune, you'd want in your side every week because you know he. Uh, you know we were talking about putting bodies on the line and uh, and getting him get, putting his head where it hurts and doing what to, you'd expect a centre half to do. That's that's how I remember John Fortune. Mm. And uh, like I so said, we mentioned like if you listen to that clip on on Thursday, you would have heard his sort of joke about Ian Dowie, which was hilarious, but he goes into so much detail on the podcast about, um, uh, you know, why, why he felt things went, went downhill under Dowie and, and he, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that sort of stuff. Also, obviously, he talks about the good times, a funny, quite a funny story about what Decanio used to do in the changing room. Uh, yeah, again, which you'll hear. Is like safe to, to wear? Yeah, just about, yeah. Uh, but like I say, so um, if you head over to chartonlive.co.uk and look down the podcast list, or if you go to Acast or iTunes, wherever you get your Charlton Live podcast, it's already in the feed to put it out there on Friday night. Uh, just click on it. It's an hour, it's an hour and six minutes, but it's, it's so good. And, and it's not good because of me, it's good because of Fortune, because he had so many so many interesting stories. And uh, I'll just make sure you listen to it and tell your mates as well, because I'm really, I'm really happy with, uh, with that interview. So uh, yeah, give it a listen. Right. Uh, like I say, it's, it's just wall-to-wall legends on Chapman Live these days. Obviously, us three in the studio. But, say, yeah, yeah, but um, also uh, we, we had Keith Peacock last week. Um, obviously, John Fortune we've had, uh, and now um, uh, tonight I spoke to this evening just before I came out. Actually, I spoke to uh, former manager and uh, former co-manager, sorry, and former player Steve Grit. Now, Steve Grit was before my time, tell. Uh, but what would you remember about the uh, the man that's got no hair? <laughs> Do you know, um, Mike, uh, London in has uh, tweeted in, and uh, thanks, he says, good to have you, which I appreciate. But like uh, like Mike, I actually remember Gritty playing. Uh, and he says in this tweet, which is poignant, not a fan favourite, but always there, Mr Utility. And I think people of a certain age, uh, of, of, uh, of my age, will remember Gritty was, I mean, not a fan favourite is an, under, an understatement. I mean, he was lambasted when he first came. Honestly, um, you'd have to, you'd have to have been there to realise. And it was quite bad. He was, the, mm. he was the crowd. You know, every more often than not, yeah. So. You know, a bit like Kishi Chef yeah, was, Kishishef, a bit, Simon Church, yeah, that type of thing. And and 
because the ground at that point was probably slightly emptier it was uh, when Grishev, you could hear it more more audibly than uh, than it perhaps when Kishishev and and other 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 players were playing because it gets lost in the crowd. But um, no, Gritty, uh, I think it was, um, Andy Nelson was the manager who brought uh, Gritty, and then he was a striker when he first came in. It just um, it just didn't go well for him. But I think the management could see something in Gritty that perhaps the fans couldn't at the time, and he, so he was pretty much picked every week. And he wasn't really a goal scorer, bless him. Uh, and then he kept, and then he dropped to midfield, uh, where he was um, considerably better and, and and put himself about. And I think he even played um, right back at, at some point as well. But yeah. uh, it wasn't until um, he'd been here a little while that people started to realise just how good he was and how um, how the side needed him. A bit like uh, if I can sort of, uh, it's much better than Keith Jones, but that sort of player. Do you know what I mean? So he was always there. He was always in the right place at the right time. He, he broke up play. He linked up play, uh, and was just. I would I would imagine every single team needs a player like Green mm. in their side if they're going to be successful. Yeah. That that's that's the biggest praise I can give him. I think. Well, whatever team he plays for on the Legends United uh, team game next uh, Sunday is obviously going to be in with a chance. And right, obviously that's a. Uh, uh, that's the reason we're quite with Steve Grit today. He's playing in the Legends United game next week. But obviously, he was there. He was there in 1992 when we made the return to the Valley. He played. Uh, so I asked him about that game. So I said, Steve Grit on the phone to me this afternoon. We're delighted to be joined here now on Charlton Live by a former <coughs> former co-manager, uh, former Addicts player, of course, Steve Grit. Steve, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, excellent. Now, of course, um, you were there. You were there on, on the day we went, we went back to the Valley. I mean, you've been there for... For years before that as well, but I mean, what were your memories of that that special day twenty five years ago? On the day, everyone I think was just looking forward to going back to the ground and and, and working again at the ground and playing again at the ground, and obviously having played there for for most of my career with the club by then, um, it was great just to get back on the pitch and and be part of the day. Uh, I think it was a, a proud moment, certainly for myself and Alan. To, to take the club back to the to the valley, you know, and be the managers for the for the, the first game back. Um, for myself, obviously, to to play as well, it was um, a special occasion. As as manager at the time, I mean, did did you did you feel that you were sort of so desperate to play in that game that, that you'd put yourself above others almost to make sure you were playing <laughs> in that occasion? I think that's what everyone would like to think. Um, <laughs> Uh, I, I think the, the, the run-up to the week, I wasn't going to play. The run-up to the game, I, I think a few days before, I wasn't going to play. Um, but then we had a change of heart and a change of mind, and uh, we moved Darren Peter into midfield, which which allowed me to come in and play it right back. Um, which I certainly wasn't going to turn the, the chance down to to play again, and certainly not to play, you know, not to, to to turn the chance down to play in the first game back at the Valley. Yes. Um, and thankfully, it, it turned out well. Yeah, and everyone says that that the the aura around that day was that there was, there was no way that Portsmouth had a sniff in that game. We were always we were always just destined to win that one. Yes, yeah, it's. I suppose there was a certain amount of pressure going into the match. Um, Portsmouth would have would have known they were coming into a. a, a a different situation to if if we'd have played them at, at Upton Park, uh, which is obviously where we were playing before that. Um, but yeah, I think the whole day, um, certainly from my memory, um, the adrenaline was running um, for a long time during that day and certainly kept me going through the match. Um, yeah, it was always going to be 
a tough ask for, for Portsmouth to come and, and try and stop us winning the game. And, you know, thankfully, we scored a very good goal. Um, we weren't able to, to capitalise on that. But um, uh, I think the whole team on the day just knew how important it was and how important it was to the supporters, more importantly. Um, it was a great day for them something I'm sure that everyone that was there will remember. Of course, um, the, the, the fans had to work so hard to, to get the, the club back to the ground, but, you know, setting up the political party like they did. I mean, like, like I said, you, you were obviously there for the, the duration of, of that time. I mean, what, what do you remember about uh, sort of the, the movement to try and get the club back to the ground? It was almost non-stop from the day we left. It, it just seemed... <clears throat> um, it was like a... Uh, something that, that the supporters were obviously very disappointed with when we left. Um, and you could tell at the time it was it was a massive disappointment and a, a shock to them when they were told. Um, you know, obviously from the last day and the last game against Stoke before we left, um, it was somewhat ironic really that we actually gained promotion that year, I think, to uh, to the top division. Um and that's the one regret I have and will always have from my time at Charlton is that I never played top flight football at the Valley. So, um, you know, to to get back and to want to get back was seemed to be a, a thing that the supporters um, wanted to do. Their drive to get back and their drive to continue to um, commit themselves to trying to get the club back to the Valley was... Uh, was un- without doubt was was you know was partly behind the reason we eventually got there. Mm. Um, you know that the board obviously played a massive part as well, but it was it was something the supporters were keen to see from day one, I think, and uh, you know putting people up for elections and local elections. It was you know that that means it's serious and they're serious about it as well and. Uh, and they, they've got to take a lot of credit for, for what they did during the time we were away. It did seem to be something that was very close to your own heart as well. Though, cause I'm, I'm, I'm sure I've seen photos of you at the, the clear-up day at the Valley uh, yourself, and, and you took you took yourself over there mm. to when the supporters were trying to clear up the old Valley. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd been at the club, uh, what, 10 years, I think, by then. Um, 10, 12 years by the time they started to clear it up. So I was, uh, you know, it's been it's played a major part in my career, uh, and the club has played a major part in my career, even you know after being back at the Valley and coming back as as academy manager as well. Um, so yeah, it, it, it meant a lot to me at the time. I I had some some wonderful memories of of the Valley, um, and it was something that was always on people's minds that that if if, if it was at all possible, if the club could help. To, to get the you know to get the team back playing at the, at the valley, then things would hopefully escalate from there and get them back to where they wanted to be. And, and thankfully, that was the case uh, in the later years after going back. Um, it now it now seems incredible. It's 25 years since since we went back. Um, you know, and you sort of wonder to yourself where all that time's gone. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, certainly leading up to it. Uh, I remember being at yeah, the the clear up day. Um, I remember being at one of the town hall. So yeah, I I I tried to do my bit to to let them know that I was behind them and and helping them to uh, to make it all happen and to make it all possible. And um, yeah, to be manager or co-manager on the day was also something I was very proud of as well. 
And the success that followed in, in the years after we returned to the Valley, I mean, how, how important do you think it was that the club had its own home for, for those years, for those years that come after? I think it was important, certainly during my time with Alan um, as co-managers, that uh, we, we stabilised it uh, as the club. We, we helped the team to to generate a decent atmosphere, even though I think we only had seven or 8,000 people in the ground at the time. Um, and that was something that Alan was able to take on from 1995. Um, but just getting back was was so vitally important for the club. I think if, um, well, I tried to think really if, if it hadn't have happened, what might have happened to the club? It's um, It doesn't really bear thinking about, but thankfully it went the other way. Thankfully everyone moved almost heaven and earth, if you like, to, to, to get us back. Um, everyone played their part. The supporters were magnificent in, in helping to do that, as we've said already. Um, but it was, it was a great day. It was, it was a day certainly that, that I'll never forget, uh, in my Charlton career. But it was a, it was probably a, an even better day for the supporters, um, and for the, the people around the club, the board, the board, the, the, the chairman, the, the directors. Um, you know, it's a massive effort all round and, and certainly one that I'll remember and, and I'll be looking forward to in some ways replicating that next week. Yeah, because of course, yeah, everyone's coming back for the, the 25th anniversary game on September the 17th and that, I mean, that's lining up to be a very special occasion I and mean, you're, you're just one of many um, Charlton heroes who are, who are returning for that game. Yes, it looks like he's uh, been very busy on the phone with, you know, the, the, the sort of amount of players he's bought, he's, what he's brought in that um, that have played at the Valley, that have all played their part over the years of uh, of being part of, of this particular piece of history. So um, uh, I know Keith obviously had massive connections with the club over a very long period of time now. Uh, and he'll be just as proud on the day to see all these other players that have played there as well. Um, and, and looking at the list, <laughs> there are some really very good players playing. And, uh, you know, it'll be a proud day to, to walk out next week with my team. Uh, and Alan with his team to uh, to celebrate, you know, that that particular day, and um, I'm looking forward to it. Really, I really am. And is is there any sort of rivalry between you and Alan to try and make sure that you come out victor on the day? Well, I'll say no now, but you never know on the day <laughs> once we get started. And the rivalry, I think, will be among the rest of the players. Um, I'm just looking forward to the day to seeing some old friends that that I've known and, and played with and, and brought through with Alan as well. Um, obviously, there are other players there that Alan um, managed when, when I'd left. So it's um, it looks like it's going to be a, a terrific day. I really hope we get a really good crowd coming as well to, to watch it. It'll be a special day. Uh, I think a special day for the players, but a special day for the supporters again to come and celebrate uh, you know, the, the 25 years since we've been back. Um, and there's been a lot of good times, and unfortunately some uh, some rather poor times in recent years. But um, it looks like the club are trying to get back to to where they want to be now, and they started the season well. So hopefully all goes well for the rest of the season as well. Yeah, so let's say from a, from a personal point of view, obviously you're, you're over at Ebbsfleet now. But from, from what you've seen of of Charlton at the moment, I guess you'd probably be quite impressed with how we've started the season. Yes, I think it's, it was necessary as well. I think if, if the club hadn't started the way they've started, then um, 
I said, I don't know. Listen, I've not been down there for a long time, but I would imagine things could have escalated again. But at least um, the manager seems to have got the players playing how he wants them to play. The, the, obviously, the results are, are coming well for them at the time, uh, at the moment. And, you know, he'll be hoping that continues and so will the players. It, it's going to be an important season for them if they can get themselves back in a challenging, challenging position to get back into the championship then, um, you know, it, it, it bodes well for the future. Uh, but it's what the club needs as well. It's, it desperately needs something to get the fans back, something to get the fans going again. And uh, hopefully the team and, and the, uh, the management on the pitch will, will help that to happen. Well, Steve, it's been great chatting with you here on, on Charlton Live. And I look forward to, to seeing you on September the 17th. And let's hope as many fans as possible can, uh, can join us all at the Valley on that day. I sincerely hope so, and I'm, I, as I said before, I'm really looking forward to it. I'll be getting my boots on, so I'll be uh, I'll be out there trotting around. Uh, probably not as quick as some of the others, but um, yeah, I hope it's a good day and, and everybody enjoys it. Superbly well to win it off of uh, Maloney and now set up a Hearn Grant on the left hand side of the penalty area. The Hearn Grant, little step over, ball back across, oh, behind everybody. It's going to be picked up by Forster Kasky on the other side of the penalty area. Forster Kasky, left foot shot, oh, what a goal! Oh, what a finish! Oh, oh, oh. what a belter from Jake Forster Kasky to absolutely round off a glorious afternoon for the Addicts. Welcome back to Channel Live here on Maritime Radio. Uh, just heard there from a uh, former manager, former uh, co-manager, sorry, and former player Steve Grit, and uh, great to hear from him. And legend, otherwise he wouldn't be here next Sunday. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, so that is that's literally what it says on the tin. If you're breaking the trace restriction, <laughs> if there's any non-legends planning on coming next oh, week, don't bother. Don't bother, yeah, because yeah, uh, yeah, there'll be a security for that. Yeah, uh, Mike again, London again, just uh, got mentioned on Gritty because um, we're uh, we're both of similar era, I think. Uh, Gritty had a hand in shirtless playoff goal. Yeah, remember it well versus Leeds, and he um, remembers Lee. Uh, Gritty leaving for Warsaw and then coming back to CFC weeks later, which is true, yeah. Um, I mean, and then also goes on to uh, to mention about how, how huge um, the promotion was on that season that we left for the Valley, and left yeah. the Valley for, for that dump over there. Um, he reckons it's Charlton's greatest ever achievement getting that promotion under Lenny uh, with Gritty and Co. No, no ground, low crowds, and he's probably right, actually. It's up there. I mean, a lot of, getting promotion to the Premier League was, was amazing, but getting promotion to the old first division in those circumstances was just immense mm. uh, and one thing about Gritty I know you know, he's a legend for us but um, there should be a statue outside the Withdean Stadium for, for Steve Grit yeah. because if it wasn't for him Brighton would be in the conference and whether or not they'd have got out of the conference and, and to where they are now is hugely debatable mm. if they'd have gone into the conference they could have disappeared without trace so the fact that he kept them in the football league by going there as manager that, that season um, is, was I think shouldn't be ignored by Brighton fans ever by the way hmm. excellent now, we've also got an email from uh, from Seb Lewis who, who's got a memory of Steve Grit it says back in 1995 it was a Monday morning assembly at Thomas Tallis and there was the word going around that Steve Grit was going uh, around just before that uh, was going to come in to talk about Cholton was uh, when assembly started our head teacher Mr Yardley talked uh, about local club Cholton Athletic and he said Steve Grit was stuck in traffic 
Uh, but someone else from the community, I think it might have been Jason Morgan, mentioned that the following home game against Sunderland, they were offering free tickets for local schools, and that is something I took up, not being a season ticket holder at the time. I can't believe there was a time where Seb wasn't yeah. a season ticket holder. Surprised me. <laughs> yeah, uh, it says, but after assembly finished, I remember feeling a little gutted that Gritty wasn't there, but then just uh, just then I noticed that Gritty was, st- was there by the front wall talking to one of the other teachers. In the end, I went to sign my planner, and he signed a few autographs the, the rest of the day. I seem to remember my head spinning and not doing much work at school that game against Sunderland. We won one the offence with an overhead kick from the late great David White great memories well there you go absolutely always uh, plan on bringing back great memories here on Chalk Life uh, by bringing in legends such as Steve Grimm. speaking of so he tweeted in about, uh, about generally about the season he said the only thing that frustrated him was the uh, uh, slightly was the, the game he didn't win which was Plymouth because it was on his birthday <laughs> but overall he's pleased yeah we won on my birthday so that obviously makes me the better fan I've got a question mine. actually yeah. you guys might remember um, Roger Trask has, has, has uh, tweeted us in did Cashy do the head slapping yesterday after the goals well, I, didn't know I didn't see it we were talking about this in the, in the tunnel after me and Ollie were sort of saying like, did anyone see it but you, mm, you don't he was see asked it because he somehow sneaks him in like stealth he's <laughs> a stealth slapper yeah like you only see him after on the videos where you know there's people to re- people re-watch him again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so I'm sure he did. Uh, he, he, I think didn't the club do a little interview? Yeah, Ollie after, asked him yeah. about it. I, I did it. I haven't watched yeah. it. Yeah, he says you, you've been slapping people, and he, he kind of goes, "Ah, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing." <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair right. Obviously, the reason uh, one of the reasons we spoke to Steve Grit yesterday is because, like I said, next Sunday, the 17th, so the day after we play Gillingham, you've got to be here at the Valley for for the game, the Legends United game, because the the, the amount of legends coming back is just phenomenal, really. Uh, and there'll be there's no place you want to be other than right here to see that game. Oh, look, if you can't, if the, if you do nothing else, look, and I get that uh, there's some fraction between supporters and the club. That's, but this that's is nothing clear. to do with the club. But that's the point, and this is nothing to do with the club. There's uh, the club have forgone any uh, any um, charges that they would normally uh, impose upon uh, people higher in the ground and and all the communities and everything. Uh, the only I think the only costs that the trust will have to bear are any catering costs and uh, and stewarding costs. Oh, no, I think, I, but I they I, they're now, t- now yeah, thinking I've, of giving you their services free of charge as well. Yeah, no, I've been told so. that the um, the catering costs are not going to cost. Okay, cost well, at all, yeah. yeah, that was the, that, that I was spoken to Jason Morgan. He said that the only thing we may have to buy is the is the food, yeah. uh, but the profit from the food will still be there. Yeah, yeah. But, um, the uh, but you know every other aspect of profit made from uh, from this game on Sunday is going to the trust every penny so um, there's no reason not to be here yeah. uh, and look if you're it, it, and actually when you look at the list of legends it's, it almost covers everybody's um, span of support in this club so uh, at some point you'll see somebody you, you absolutely revered as a player um, in the past so uh, the, and the other thing is this is to celebrate 25 years at, back at the Valley it's probably the last chance a lot of us are going to have to see that many legends in the same place at the same time. So there's, you know, it's it's an absolute must game mm. for, for for Charlton fans. I, you know, you've got to be here. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out that um, if you can, I mean, I understand yeah. some people can't. Yeah. I mean, Marion's just tweeting saying she's coming transport from in, so I'm sure Tell will be here. <laughs> um, uh, it's she worth- says she's not commenting on me again now <laughs> after the trouble you've caused. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth it's worth pointing out that the uh, the trust that would really like it if you could pre-book your tickets because. Um, uh, I mean, I dare say there's going to be a big walk-up on the game on the day because everyone thinks, oh, it's just a, a small event. I'll just buy my tickets when I get there. The, the queue's going to be massive because yep. 
I'm sure a lot of people do that to pre-book your tickets, especially for you know, the covered ends open. And I think I've got a feeling you can't buy covered end tickets on the day. Oh, I'm not sure. You have to pre-book those. I think I've heard that somewhere. So just pre-book them. Get on the Charlton website now and pre-book your tickets. It's only ten pounds for adult and two pound for children. All the money goes to charitable events through the trust. I mean, they do so much good work within the local community. Uh, we've seen it ourselves: the upbeats, the the street violence ruins lives, racism out of football, all all that sort of stuff. Um, so it's, it's worth every penny, and like I say, even like you could even just donate ten pounds to charity, or you could donate ten pounds to charity and see all your favourite Charlton legends from years gone by are playing on the pitch. And I mean, some of the, the people from our era, Tom, and yeah. I'm saying that to exclude Tell, but from <laughs> from some some of the players like the Mendonkas coming back, and, and the Powers, and the Horizons, and and like I say, the Fortunes. There's so many, there's so many legends coming back. That, yeah. And by the way, Chrissy Powell. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think for me, it's it's the Mendonca Kinsella era that I'm so excited about because that's when I started supporting. So, my memories of Charlton are are vague from from that era, really. But at the same time, they're the people that first got me supporting the club. So, to see them at an age where I'm going to remember it more vividly is, is very exciting. As you say, Chris Powell. And I think for for what you were saying earlier, tell about people who who've perhaps got issues with the club at the moment. This is so far away from that this is everything that's good about Charlton this game Um, so yeah as we've said before if if you only do one thing connected to Charlton at all this season it's come to that game I'm going to be walking around like a kid in this week exactly I just can't wait smiles will just be huge I've got plenty of tweets that have come in a good one from Roger that's what I was going to read it says Terry on Tuesday keep your eye out for any slapping going on Full, uh, full commentary on who he slaps, please. Slapgate. I shall try and do Slapgate. Yeah, all right. All right, Tell, you got some tweets coming uh, in from every angle. Actually, yeah, exactly. Uh, Freddie's come back to me uh, after me asking him if he was sucking a lemon. Uh, I was far too nervy in that first half. He says, we just didn't click. Second half much better, of course, and good for the momentum. On we march to Wigan. Uh, Albert Rossi said, do you think if we're in the top six in January, uh, KR will be able to go and get a striker from the championship? He'd better well, be able to get someone. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was talk, Carl said it himself about how if we're up there in January, we'll get someone. I mean, whether it be specifically for the championship, I don't know where, where we're getting from. But obviously, this is something that was mentioned before under Bob Peters. The story was going around that if we're up there at January, he's going to splash the cash for that second half of the season push. So it's not, it's not, it's not like it's something we haven't heard before. That's true. But the, the one thing that we also have heard is that uh, the book balancing thing, mm. that uh, if we go and get somebody, we've got to let somebody else go. And that, uh, that concerns me a bit. But uh, we'll see. But don't, uh, forget, Albert, sorry, go on. don't forget that Joe Dodu, who obviously yes, scored true. against Oldham and, and came on yesterday, is, is due to return to Rangers in January yeah, as well. So we'll have to, if, if he does go back and we don't extend that, we'll have to get somewhere yeah. else. Uh, but also, um, added on his tweet, it looks like to me that the crowds are coming back slowly. Um, I thought the, the cover end looked fuller than it had done. But I wasn't at the Bristol game, so I don't know how big. Uh, and, and by all accounts, the crowd was quite good against Bristol. I can't really tell because I'm there. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, but so it so did look to me from stand, from my position in the. Uh, I don't know. I mean, the, the crowd was announced was as twelve thousand yesterday, and that's with a very healthy, con- yeah, like very healthy contingent of visiting fans. So I wouldn't say, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't say it's gone gone up at all from no, last year it, for a, for a Saturday. But over the last couple of games, I would say I didn't see the Bristol. I think it looked the, just looked to me the covered in was a little bit yeah. fuller yesterday, but I could be wrong. Yeah, has just asked us if we know how many tickets have been sold for Legend. Absolutely no idea, I'm afraid. So. <laughs> kind of, but all I know is it's worth getting your tickets pre-booked because I think they're worried about the walk-up so just make sure you get them nice and early yeah, Danny's mentioned the game uh, thanks Danny I felt uh, we were very flat in the first half but the tackle block that Pierce made when uh, in the first half where he slid in and put his body in the way got yeah. the team going which is a fair point actually yeah, yeah, quite right too and it says also uh, what Solly lacks in pace at times he makes up with experience in his assist for the uh, Josh Goble's top draw which again is absolutely true. I mean, yeah, you don't get a better cross than that. I was watching no. that back today. I mean, that was pinpoint. absolute pinpoint. And yeah. because because 
of how well the, the how, how well the cross was measured. McGuinness has the run on the defender because when you're defending, you have to try and worry about positions. Well, McGuinness can just run at goal and therefore he can get leap higher and he's going to eat that up all day yeah. long. And that was that was the the beauty of that cross. Yeah. And Foxy also uh, is in mentioning that um, uh, he didn't fancy him when he first joined, but um, Clark is up there with his player of the season so far. He's been brilliant, uh, which uh, which I also hundred percent agree with. Yeah, going to be interesting when Reeves comes back. See here. Uh, that's a point, actually. Well, I, you know, I've got a feeling that um, that because uh, you know Tariq Fosu, uh, as as, mm. as good a player as he is, probably due to his age, it, it's not wise necessarily to play him every week. Yeah. So I think when Clark's fit, maybe you'll see Clark and and Fosu. Mm. Yeah, possibly. Uh, sorry, Reeves and Fosu yeah. swap swap places. But that's just a guess, obviously. Mm. Uh, did we have any more tweets on Jason Pierce? Or have we gone through? Oh, from Pierce, oh, we're doing Pierce's, are we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. We've only got five minutes left, so oh, there's any more. Good lord. Yeah, so there's any more Pierce here? Uh, <laughs> our player in focus this evening, of course, is Jason Pierce. Uh, let me look for him. Yeah, go on then. Um, but uh, the uh, there's uh, one guy saying they make him captain. Actually, I'm just trying to find who it was. Yeah, but, well, that's, um, yeah, I did. I did see that. Too, I always think about him as captain at the moment. Uh, him and Solly almost doing the same job um, mm. because he is just a, a natural leader, isn't he? And yeah, I uh, can only echo yeah. kind of my thoughts on him yesterday. Just fantastic. Because in my in my mind, I thought he was captain at Wigan. Yeah. I, was, I was doing some research. I he was vice captain. There, uh, okay. Yeah. So. Um, but you, you think he'd be perfect. Those leadership player. qualities. Yeah. He, he actually plays. said in that when, we, when he did the commentary on the uh, in, in the pre-season, the, the Ipswich game, he said, did say he put his name forward. Oh, but he, he understands obviously that uh, Jackson and, and Chris, uh, Johnny Jackson, and Chris Solly will be ahead of him. But he mm. put his name forward yeah. in, just in case. But perhaps a, well, maybe a link to the supporters thing in terms of Solly and Jackson. But Pierce is certainly for, oh, he's yeah. the sort of player that will yeah. form a very good link with the supporters and has done already. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Gary McKendry says an absolute rock at the back is a defender that just loves to defend a real leader, and that's absolutely true. I, I've mentioned it. Uh, you'll hear is the interview at some point next week. Uh, I just he just loves games like that. He, you know the the last two games especially where he's up against Nile Ranger and, and before he was up against was it uh, O'Brien? Trying to think that uh, the the two new guys are older. Uh, Doyle and Owen Doyle and yeah. Um, yeah, he just loves games like that because physical challenges he's never mm. never going to shirk from is he? Yeah. Mm. Right, uh, time to look ahead. So we're into the last five minutes of Charlton Live now uh, on your Sunday evening and Tuesday. <laughs> That's a big game, isn't it? Wigan at home. I mean, second versus eighth at the moment, but. By Jove, I mean we're two two of the early season contenders really, and, and Wigan, like say they they played a game less than us because they had, they had the international break and they they lost their first game of the season yesterday at Shrewsbury. Um, but um, everybody's losing to Barcelona at the minute. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's just the way. I'm glad we haven't had to play them yet. But um, uh, I mean, this is this is it is it is it a, as big a game as I'm making out because it feels like it. I don't know. Big. Well, um, they all are, I suppose. But you mm. know, uh, in terms of. You know, if we can keep the run going, if we can keep the winning run going, even better. But um, I think, in terms of where we are and, and as a team, Wigan. If you looked at the preseason, if you looked at the you know the fixtures, and you think, well, Wigan just coming down from the uh, uh, the championship, they're likely to be there or thereabouts because they they have uh, the majority of the squad that that was there at the end uh, of last mm-hmm. season. So you'd expect them to be there, and so in that respect, to judge where we are. Wigan's probably the biggest test we've had so far. I was going to say, yeah, biggest test is the way to say it. Um, I think we've we've had some tough tests, you know, away at Rotherham, and we perform well there. Um, we've you know blown a couple of teams away here, um, but yeah, it's going to be the hardest game we've had, I think, um, and a very good uh, indicator of where we are as a team, I think, because we're going to have to dig in again, uh, and yeah, I think we'll be able to tell a lot about the side after that. I'm sort of hoping that Wigan, uh, because of their pedigree of being a champ- ex-championship side will actually come and try and play football. Which, you would hope so. Which would be great if they do, mm. because I think we'll be able to match them for that. Mm. 
It's interesting to see Paul Cook go from Portsmouth to Wigan uh, in the summer, wasn't it? Because he just got promoted with Portsmouth, but mm. decided to move on off. I think when you think about, because obviously Portsmouth are a team on the up, and people see Wigan as a team that just got relegated. But at the same time, I guess they're, 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 with with recent history, probably a pretty they're a pretty big fish in this pond now, aren't they? I would think that. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, not necessarily correctly, but I would think that somebody would think Wigan would be. Um, a better chance of getting promotion yeah. than Portsmouth because you'd expect Portsmouth first season up it'd be more of a consolidating season than a than a high flying one. That's that's a guess. I mean that, that's a, well that's me just putting myself in somebody else's head because um, I mean you'd like to think that people would stick with the side that they got promoted with to see see how at least for one season to see how mm. they fared. But he obviously sees that Wigan are a better bet and and that's why he made the jump. I guess. Mm. Uh, bad news for fans of Will Grigg who are hoping that we might try and sign him again in January. Is that he signed a new contract didn't he the other day? I was quite happy yeah. with that actually. Yeah, Am I the only one? Are you not a fan? Well, no, 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 fine, but um, who would you rather have? I mean, Northern Ireland would rather have Josh McGuinness than uh, Will Grigg at the minute, so um, why should we uh, we be any different? Mm. Uh, I don't know, are they too similar? I don't know. But um, Well, when you consider they play McGuinness out wide as well, mostly, in Northern Ireland. And just very, very quickly, because we almost run out of time, obviously the the question is now going to be over the likes of Cashy with his long-term injury problem last year, Solly has had his history uh, of issues, I mean, do, do you think they get risked again two games in three days? Is That's it a risked? good call. Yeah. Uh, I did sort of ask him that on the thing, and he was a bit non-committal. Mm-hmm. I think he's still he just. Gonna, ours, yeah. Yeah. I Judge. thought if we were going to rest him, it would have been yesterday. Yeah. So, uh, which makes me think he's probably going to try and get him through another ninety. Mm. Which, yeah, which to me suggests the reason he was being non-committal is all sort of mind games. Yeah, and, and obviously to get Gillingham away next weekend. Gillingham haven't started well, so perhaps depending how Tuesday goes, that would be the time to rest some players if you're going to. Well, excellent. Right, we have run out of time here on Charlton Live on Maritime Radio. I hope you've enjoyed your Sunday evening with us. Uh, don't forget to check out our Charlton Live Meets John Fortune podcast on Acast or uh, iTunes or on the charltonlive.co.uk website. Uh, Tom, thank you for coming in this evening. Cheers, Louis. Terry, good to see you back. Cheers, mate. Thank you. I've been Louis Mendes. This has been Charlton Live. We'll be back on Thursday as we preview next Saturday's game against Gillingham. Uh, let's hope in the meantime we win three points here at the Valley against Wigan. See you later. <laughs> Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details.